Hey, everybody. Welcome back to A Higher Future. I'm UBC Mignetti. It was a nice Memorial Day weekend, wouldn't you say, Nicole? Sure was. I enjoyed I mean, my time the, off. Yeah. I, we, well, and you were, you were uh, kind of hanging out. It was rainy in Denver, I hear, and so you were just hanging inside. We rarely get that kind of weather, so I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's good to see you, and we're excited to welcome Chelsea Kim as well to the show. So Chelsea is co-founder, head of operations and brand identity for Bella, and we're excited. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, and how you got to Bella to kind of kick things off. Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm very much looking forward to speaking with you both. Um, I started out in health education. That was what my degree was in. And it was really about working and trying to find ways to help other people. And so I ended up focusing in ages 10 and under autistic children and working in their homes, helping them adjust to new diagnoses and the family to this new sort of circumstance. From there, I'll be honest, I kind of burned out. It's a really high stress, high involvement kind of position. And so I wanted something different. I ended up moving into technology because it was interesting to me and I wanted to follow a passion to learn. And I didn't know that going back to school was gonna get me where I wanted to be. There wasn't something specific I wanted to learn about or do that I really wanted to go and get another degree in. And so for me, it was, what's something that I, I know well, I know how to run businesses. I know how you need to work those things just because of experiences that I had along the way and different kind of odd jobs that I worked from high school through college, things along those lines. And so for me, I was able to get a position at a tech company, but I was the first business hire that they've made, not a scientist, mm. not a chemist, not an engineer any of those things. And so I also looked, was looked at like I had three heads because they didn't know what I did. They were like, why do you need a business person in here? We're, we're making waveguide optics. This is, you know, technology. And, and um, so I came in and just created order. And I think once you have an operations person, you realize what they do and how much oh you gosh. need them. But until then, it's <laughs> just sort of like, oh yeah, that's a, that's an unnecessary. Let's hire another optical engineer to make this product and get this out. Right. And so I was able to create order. And from there, I became really interested, honestly, in just technology in general. I wanted to switch it up and try a different one. And so I moved into drones and became a technical account manager and uh, customer success manager. That was sort of at the beginning of when customer success was becoming a field. So no one really knew what it was, which meant I could create whatever job I wanted mm-hmm. and use my skills to the best of my ability. And so a lot of that training and health education came back in of teaching people how to fly drones and how to use them and how to understand the technology and pull out the reports and things they needed. And then went into uh, sort of Figuring out communication, and that's what took me to our current company, was I was working for uh, the company that actually funds Bella, Live Person, and they are a communication company. They do conversational technology for businesses, and uh, Bella became an opportunity that I heard about through them, and it was really a way to transfer into a new industry, still technology, but finance, Mm -hmm. using communication, training, operations, and all the things that I didn't know I was building in my my sort of arsenal to come in and build a company. So there's there's this obvious arc of so many different things that you've done Mm -hmm. in terms of drone pilot, uh, neonatal certifications. You've worked with mothers and infants, which you didn't mention. You said it was mm-hmm. your volunteer work, um, your your work with families and new diagnoses. 
um, consulting, business, operations, and now finance. And so clearly you must have some thoughts on transferable skills <laughs> and hiring for transferable skills and, and how you know, certain degrees in education may not always be the right answer when we're focusing on hiring. Can you speak to how you look at new hires and, and how you look at uh, where you... Definitely. So I am a non-traditionalist for myself and for others. And I believe that most people are genuinely smart. And if you can figure things out, you can be successful. And so from my perspective, with friends that I have that are very successful VPs and higher in organizations, these people didn't necessarily have college degrees, didn't have specific training, haven't been in positions for 20 plus years to be able to, you know, work their way up the ladder. I think that's one thing that's really intriguing to me about the way that business and psychology of it is changing, that there's no longer this pension mentality where you have to stay in the same job or do the same thing and you can follow your passion and learn. And that's really what has benefited me is being able to transfer from job to job and industry to industry because I have interest and I like to self-start. I like to self-learn and I don't do well in classrooms. That's why I never went back and got my master's. I, I didn't think that it was going to net me enough that it was worth the expense. I went to University of Florida. It wasn't, you know, some Ivy League or top tier school in that regard because I couldn't afford it. And this was, I got scholarships and it was paid for. So I graduated in four years because I didn't have money and I didn't want to go into debt, right? And so it was, it was always to me that the person is the meaningful transformation, right? It's what you can do with yourself and what interests you. And if you can showcase that, whether it's in an interview or if it's in the job you're doing, you will rise because people will recognize that you really care about what you're doing. And if you care about what you're doing, then you're not working, you're enjoying it, right? If you're just collecting a paycheck, you'll never be successful because people can read that, they can see it, they can see that you don't care. And so the passion behind it is really important. And when I think about my team, I have built it based off of interest, intrigue. And honestly, when we have interviews with our, our team and we're going through that process, we don't really talk about the job. Your resume can tell me that you've done certain things, but it's not going to tell me if you were good at it, if you care about it. And so we tend to talk about what people's passions are. What do you like to do? What do you do in your off time? What do you care about? And that's also how we build our team is I have people that started in customer support. Now they're in banking operations and they want to go and get some classes in fraud management, for example, because they were able to dabble in that and understand it. And they just took off like a lightning bolt. They love it. And it's what they want to learn about. And so with those different pieces, you can build and create a really robust and amazing team by allowing them to follow their passion and creating space for them to do that. Well, and you know, it's, it's um, what's incredible about that approach is that I, th I really think that's where the future of work is mm -hmm. going, right? And I think this last year, sort of level set that opportunity for all organizations to take advantage of. And I feel like if they don't take advantage of looking for talent in that way, and I also think it's it's really on organizations to create an environment where that is supported, right? Where 
people can come in with, with what their passions are and the organization can help build them. And because you can train, you know, the, the, a lot of the things related to a role. You can't mm-hmm. train that passion and interest though. So, so, you know, and I feel, I just, I feel like companies have just been going about it the wrong way for so long <laughs> that now really like there's an opportunity to focus in. And also I think people, you know, never really had the opportunity to understand that they could follow their passions, you know, that they could do what they wanted to learn about, right? It was always sort of this forced socioeconomic situation or whatever that, you know, to your point, right, you couldn't afford to go to an Ivy League school. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? You went to school. (laughs) It doesn't matter where you went to school. And, but you, you know, and, and so, I just think people haven't been given those opportunities or taught to that they can go pursue what they want to pursue. And there's different ways to get there. There's always been this kind of narrow focused view of opportunity in this country. And so that's, I just love, I think you're doing it right. It's such a great um, blueprint for other companies to be like, oh, maybe we should do it that way. I think there's a fear on the individual's level too, though. Um, often when people yeah. hear about my history or I talk to different people who are joining the company, everyone's like, wow, you took a risk. You're so brave. I think it was honestly, uh, somebody once told me the, about the bumblebee effect and how the bumblebee aerodynamically shouldn't be able to fly, but does it anyway. And I really <laughs> resonated with that because I was <laughs> like, yeah, I never just thought I couldn't do it. I wanted to learn it. So I learned it. And then I was able to showcase that, whether in an interview or my work and say, give me a chance to do this. And I think on the other side of that, I was really grateful that somebody did take a chance on me and say, Mm -hmm. sure, okay, let's let her do this. And if she fails, okay, she fails. But if she succeeds, we're going to have something really great. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, having both sides of that, having maybe it's the the lack of fear, (laughs) the naive day, whatever you want to call it, to go out there and try it. And yeah. not be afraid of that failure because what's the worst someone's going to say? No. Okay. You can go back to what you were doing or you can try something different. And then having this person that's willing to take the opportunity and say, okay, I have faith in this person and their passion for that. And they're going to make it happen no matter what, because that's what they care about. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love there, it. There's, there's a um, concept here that risk is somehow bad. And, mm-hmm. but I mean, even in finance, it's, it's probably one of the <laughs> most obvious industries yeah. <laughs> where risk is, is paired with reward. And so being able to take that risk, the rewards don't come unless you're willing to take the risk. It's, it's, um, it's the uncertainty, I think that is, is the scary part for people that the risk is actually exciting. People can get it, but mm-hmm. they mistake when they say risk, they, they mean uncertainty. Yeah. It's fascinating. But so, I mean, in terms of that, like what you're talking about is changing the status quo and Mm -hmm. changing the status quo for an individual who's thinking about using their skills in a transferable way or changing the status quo about an industry or the way that you even do something. And and, uh, Bella Loves Me is something that is totally changing the status quo. And can you, I mean, even the way the card looks in your wallet is so <laughs> obvious that it's different. Can you talk about how you think about that in, internal in the company? Yeah, I think that we as a group, so my co-founders, Will and Angelo come from finance. They've worked in Europe 
extensively. Uh, Will has also worked in the U.S. And they have been in that industry to see how stagnant it is and how much transformation is needed there. I think come in with a little less understanding. <laughs> I did not come from finance. And so to me, it was never, we need to change this. It was, why weren't we doing it this way to begin with? I don't see why you would do that. This makes more sense to me, right? And so even the way the app works, it's conversational. You do things in sentences, you use real words. Of course, you can make shortcuts and use commands and things along those lines. But if you wanted to say, I want to transfer, you can type that in and it understands you as opposed to tapping a button that says transfer and then you select which account and you select an amount and then you confirm. You can do that in a sentence. You can add notes and it's interactive and it's really a platform for communicating you would communicate with a person, not an AI. And so because of that, uh, I think there's a steep learning curve to understanding that because people are so conditioned to use technology in a specific way that once they make the leap though, people love it. They love conversational. It's how they talk to each other. It's how they think. You know, you don't have to think about what command does this bank or this platform use for that thing that I want. You just say what you think and then it gives you suggestions if it can't figure it out, right? And so even that minor change, um, and like you mentioned, the card, it's, it's these things that automatically trigger that this is different. Our card is a giant rainbow and it glitters, uh, not aggressively, it's like a pearl, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it stands out in your wallet amongst all the grays and the blues and the blacks and the things that you wouldn't notice right away. And that's not just so that you'll choose to use our card because you'll see it first, but it also because it's a conversation starter, people aren't expecting it. And it automatically tells you this is something different. And this is something that's for people who think differently. Hmm. That's really what we're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Well, I, it, the, the, cause language is, is so important. And um, what I find really interesting is the, the conversation piece, while it's uh, helping more and more people, you know, uh, get into banking, right, or understand it and have this, you know, less uncertain, less fearful um, interaction with, with banking and finances, um, it, it's also kind of almost has this underlying effect of, helping people learn how to maybe potentially communicate better. Would you, would you say like, do you see that in there? Not that that was an intention, but is that kind of a part of it a little bit? I think so. I think, you know, my passion is communication. It's the psychology behind it. And it's the way that people interact as a society. Right. And Bella is only in the U S right now. So we're able to really succinctly narrow into the U S and American society, mm -hmm. which is very different than say where Angela is from in Italy or where Will was working in the UK. And so it makes it a little bit easier for us to start that transformation because we're in one culture. But going beyond that, if you look at the way that Americans use technology, when if you think about other companies and those home pods and things that you've got around, you're speaking in commands, but then you're teaching each other that you can bark orders at one another and be expected mm -hmm. to have something done, right? But we're not as a society conditioned to speak to each other that way. So if somebody did that to you, you'd be really upset with them. <laughs> but what are you talking about when you're telling your children to say, oh, Go, for an example, like Alexa, go do this or Corona, go do that. 
and then you expect that it's complete or when it doesn't understand it, it's sorry, it says, sorry, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Then you start screaming at it, right? It's like, yeah. I said this, I said this. And so you're teaching your children, you're teaching your families that this is how you can teach to talk to each other. Um, when you think about the way that people do talk to each other and the way that you learn and the way that you discuss, it's only constructive if each person has an opportunity to give feedback and to be able to speak to each other in consumable and understandable ways. And so our tech, even if you open up Bella right now and you went to the tap to type box to enter in whatever it was you wanted to do, we start out with a changing sentence. It could be today's beautiful, or it could be telling you about something in the app that you know, I, I communicate in conversation. So type what you're thinking. I don't use menus. You'll never find a hamburger menu here because we don't use those. Right. So, yeah. so whether it's an education component or just a nice saying, or telling you to breathe for two to three breaths and meditate for a moment before you get started, it's ways to help us stop and consider each other and hopefully teaching us that this is how we should communicate with each other as much as technology. So when I looked at, at the Bella Loves Me app, there's there's a savings account and then there's also a karma account. Yes. And it, it looks like it does it. It's not a huge amount, like maybe only $20 limit in the karma account. Can you talk about what is the karma account and, and how are we supposed to use that? Yeah. So the whole concept behind it is actually an Italian tradition down in Naples, Italy, and it's called Cafe Sospeso. And so people in the, in the area were traditionally very poor and couldn't afford a lot. So people who did have would give to their neighbors and everybody sort of came together and rallied to support whoever needed it. And so with that tradition, when you went and bought an espresso or a cafe at, at a different location, um, you would pay for two, take one and leave the other for somebody else who couldn't afford it later to come and inquire. And so taking that into a broader concept, we hear about it all the time. I think even back at Christmas, there was like the Dairy Queen line with 900 cars that kept going and paying for each other. Behind. <laughs> this is not a, a foreign concept, right? You pick up somebody's tab or you do something nice for somebody. But what if you could do that unconsciously and on a massive scale? And that's what the karma account is for. You put money into it. And when somebody makes a purchase of $20 or under, it can automatically pick it up and an algorithm randomizes it. So you never know when it's going to happen. Wow. So you could be sitting at your desk, you know, putting money into it and then going about your day and you get a notification from Bella saying, Hey, Chelsea, you picked up Nicole's $3 purchase. And Nicole will get a notification that would say, Chelsea picked up your purchase today. And you could have the opportunity to send a thank you note back. And so that way you're creating connection between two yeah. people who will probably never meet but the only thing in common is that you're both part of the Bella community and that's sharing care about each other and about the humanity behind it. And so the karma account, you can actually put as much money as you want into it. Now uh, we lifted the limit because people kept complaining that it was so frustrating <laughs> to have to go in and refill it all the time. <laughs> so, so you can put as much money as you want into it, but it's for small purchases. It's meant for the coffee or for, you know, the milk you forgot at the grocery store when you did your run or something like that, where it makes it affordable and you don't feel like, oh gosh, I just paid for someone's hundred dollar purchase. Like now I've got to go put more <laughs> money in there, but it makes it, you know, simple and just a thought that I care about you. And I care about you because you are part of my community. Yeah, it'd be weird to get a notification that somebody I 
got a Tesla because of my karma account. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like, wait a minute. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> no, that's so cool though. Well, and I love this concept of, you know, that, that technology can do so much more, right. E- even though it's core function and what you've built is one thing. I mean, there's so many things that your app is doing that, and it's, you know, yeah, it's just an app, but at the end of the day, it's a community and it's a, a way to connect people and it's a way to transform behaviors. You know, I think this past year, you know, with with the, the surge in diversity and equity and inclusion trainings, mm-hmm. right, and services and things like that, it's still quite amazing to see that that there hasn't there hasn't still been a lot of impact, right? Mm-hmm. Trainings like that these one and done kind of trainings and, and, you know, one-time conversations, they're not doing enough. There, there's nothing. That, so, you know, like what happens after there's like this question, but there's no, action. I, there's no action. And I think the beauty of what you're doing, it's, it's very similar to what we're trying to do is to do use technology to help people transform in something that they're doing every day anyway. Right. Like we all do banking. We all do interviews. We all do all of these things. We all use apps every day. So why not help us be better just through the interaction of that? Because we're doing it right. That's it's more actionable. It's more tactical. And people can understand that as opposed to feeling like they're being, you know, uh, targeted or judged, you know, through these trainings that you know, it's, I don't know. It's so, I love it. I love this. I think that's the future too, is how do we use our technology? How do we use our business strategy as an organization to make a bigger impact? Definitely. I think it's something that's top of mind at Bella, actually, um, from the diversity that we hire, we have goals that we want more women in tech. And so how do you do that? You hire women. You bring them in and you specifically hire them and you go to the places where they're looking for jobs in those networking locations. Because if you just post in the traditional places, you're going to get the traditional candidates because that's where they look, right? So you have to put that as a forefront and as a purpose. And if it's a goal of yours, then you have to actually take action and do the things that are necessary. If it were easy, everyone would do it. And so sometimes it's the hard thing, just like Bella and trying to transform what we're doing. We do it in our internal team too. We have, we're are aiming for more than 50% women and more than 50% non-white in our team. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, that means we're in diversity groups. We are in networks and we're actively searching for those people with those skill sets. Makes it harder. Yes. We have 10 times more interviews, I think, than we would if we just posted on LinkedIn and waited for those executives to come to us. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, right. but Taking that action and putting your money where your mouth is, so to say, not just putting a class out saying, well, this is how you interview and this is how you speak to people. And these are the types of things that you can and can't ask. And what is diversity and what is inclusion and equity? Equal pay is a huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's from women to men, but also from ethnicities and races, you have the yeah. same issues. And so being cognizant that it's not just one thing you can fix, that you have to take it from a basic level and set up your business operationally to do that is something that you have to really have buy-in and it's not a one-time I took a class and I'm done. It's an everyday choice. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
yeah, intention, choice, it's got to be a conscious effort. And mm-hmm. um, you're right. Like, I think that's, it, there's the fear of adding so much more work to the already, you know, low bandwidth that organizations feel like they have. But at the end of the day, it's just a, a longer term, better solution than where we're at right now. And just, you know, mostly Band-Aid fixes to keep us going. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's, uh, there, I'm excited about the future, but I, it's going to take a lot of people to, <laughs> you know, to really get on board with things like what you're all doing. Um, and have just, you know, just the approach to the business has to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the pandemic for better or worse has sort of helped with that. Yeah. And it's much like we were talking about where you started your business in the pandemic. We started ours in the pandemic. And oh. I think that it's, it's a, a social need and change that has come about and that the world's just ready for now. And so companies are able to make that jump if they're willing and people will embrace them for it. And having that opportunity to, like we were talking about, follow your passion and not think about things in a traditional sense allows for people to make those leaps and to to do the things that maybe 10 years ago they never thought they'd be able to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. Nicole, did you want to talk about the, um, the, the Tulsa? race massacre at all i think there's there's an interesting parallel um to some of this you know there there is certainly historically um so many people who have been kept out of banking and um laws have kept black people out of banking um, people with disabilities have been kept uh from becoming independent and it, it strikes me that um Technology like Bella Loves Me is much more approachable. It's, it seems like if nothing else, the, the in your face concept of being different is opening the door for different groups to participate in banking in a way that didn't feel okay or, or, or felt still too old and um, traditional where that traditional feel was traumatic. can you speak to that and and um, and how your technology is bringing that kindness to groups of people who certainly didn't feel it in in banking? I think it's twofold. Actually, there's there is a lot of distrust in finance. Period. Right across the world, um, especially in the U.S., and that goes back to the bailouts and the things that happened, you know, in the early 2000s, all the way even back to the the Tulsa massacre, where they couldn't, you know, file for insurance that it was just suppressed and that they couldn't get the money to rebuild. And you know, all the institutions are sort of set up for specific people to fail. And so, having that that where we propose that kindness is what matters and love and inclusivity is part of it, but it's also putting our money where our mouth is and making sure people feel it. And, you know, everyone's going to come in with distrust. You hear about, okay, we have surprise cash back on our card, right? So you make a purchase, you could get five to 200% cash back, but it's random. How many times does that happen for a person before they believe that, okay, they're not just doing this because I just signed up. They're not just doing this because of X, Y, or Z reason. 
And they're not just trying to get me to use their product, right? But it is actually just part of the program and that we will continue doing it. We will continue doing that. And the karma account, you know, it's like, okay, sure. But am I ever going to get karma back? And there's always this hurdle about the me. And it's not to say that people who are kind are not selfish because there is a selfishness to kindness. I do nice things because it makes me feel good, right? (laughs) I get something back and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that creating that inclusive environment that feels approachable is important, but also maintaining that everything you propose, you will stand behind and be honest about. And if something does change, be upfront and transparent about it because there is so much distrust and there's so much history that gives the reason to be distrustful. You know, we, we can't just say, well, that wasn't your experience. So it doesn't translate to that other person. They had a different experience. They have a different upbringing. They have a different background. I mean, I look at my brother and I, we were raised in the same house and we have totally different perspectives on how we were raised. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I think, you know, you can't put yourself exactly in somebody else's shoes and you just have to create an environment that allows for people to be individuals. And like you talked about being kind to each other allowing for mistakes to be made, giving the benefit of the doubt and creating those opportunities to prove somebody right or prove somebody wrong, depending on what their assumption is. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been really, this is a great way to kick off the week after a holiday weekend to get us back into the spirit of things. So thank you very much, Chelsea. It was so great to meet you and chat with you and, um, Yeah. So where can people go to get Bella? So we are digital app only. There's no physical location. So if you head over to bellaloves.me, www.bellaloves.me, that's our website. There's a link that you can download our app and it works in Google Play Store for Android users or in Apple Store for Apple users. And once you download, you are signing up for a bank account. That is something that I think a lot of people haven't fully understood when we talk about our karma account. It is still a checking account. So you do have to put your social security number in. You do have to, you know, go through the whole process. You get a debit card and all of that is along with it. It's not just a gifting platform, which has been a misconception. And I want to be clear that, you know, it is a bank account. So people are aware. But once you sign up, then you get your debit card and you're off to the races. You can fund it digitally through ACHing um, or through direct deposit with your paycheck. And uh, you can participate in the Karma account from day one. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Thank you both. I really appreciate talking to you. (laughs) Me too. And thank you, everybody, for continuing to check us out. A Higher Future is the podcast name and all the all the major streaming sites and things like that. So we'll check you next time. Thank you. Bye.